Yeah, welcome back to Chris Roots. Looking forward to having him a part of the coverage on uh, Racing HQ over the course of the the year. And uh, Chris, as I say, good morning to you. We might, well, we we will need to see a new rider for In Secret. Yeah, we will after National Willow got eight meetings for a careless riding charge at um, Canterbury. Unfortunately for Nash at the moment, if he gets suspended, there's premiums on it and things like that. Um, just happened at the wrong time, didn't it? He, mm. he had the, has a ride on probably the best filly in the country. And um, I'll tell you one thing, there are phone calls going around the world to find the rider for this job, this horse next week. I spoke to James Cummings this morning. Um, they haven't got a rider locked in as yet, but you can imagine the names that you could throw forward. And you, you name jockeys from around the world that you might be thinking of, and I think they've all got their head in the ring because they all want to come and have a feel of this feeling. Agree. Uh, the the uh, so a few people saying, well, hang on, why isn't James jumping back on? That's because he's obviously got the confirmed booking with Zoo Gotcha, so he won't yeah, that's, be that's riding. Correct. He, that's he, yeah. he was booked. He's booked for that. He had to make a choice there, and um, he's he's got a really good relationship with the owners there. Um, so it's one of those ones where I think yeah. James has made his choice and has to live with it. And realistically, with the horse, with In Secret, probably going to the new market. James wouldn't be able to ride the weight in the new market, so it's it's uh it's one of those ones where you make the choice because you have the ride on Zoo Gotcha right the way through. Who would you put on if you uh, if you're the owner, you're the trainer, Chris? You got opportunities from all around the world. Who would you put on? Me. I tell you who I um, would, and, I, and I'll probably get uh, I won't get crucified for this. You know, who I'd put on. Hey. I'd put Tyler Schiller on it. Would you? Well, for mine, he's he's, uh, he, he's he's reading races beautifully. He's the on on data. He's the second best jockey in in Sydney on data. He uh, he's. I spoke with Mark Newham yesterday, mate. Not only is his um, is his riding fantastic and his balance, but just where he's positioning horses. And I mean, he's ridden for Godolphin before. I uh, I'd the, put Tyler the thing, for, the, the thing with the thing with Tyler is and. This goes to how, how well he is going. Now, I think he's ridden one winner for Chris Waller and one winner for Godolphin in the city this year. Very much so. So um, he's doing it without the two biggest stables in the, in the, in Sydney, really, really getting opportunities there. So he's um, he'd be in the mix. I'd, um, <coughs> would James Doyle or um, William Buick want to come over and um, have a have a weekend in the sunshine? I know it's I know it's a really big dark night in Dubai, but they. Would that would they come over with um, the opportunity to win a, another Group One for Godolphin, which would be eight for the season, which would equal James coming best year as a as a as a um, trainer at Godolphin? Um, there'd be not there'd be names from people from Hong Kong, maybe Hugh Bowman. We hear that he wants to come back to the carnival. Would he be in the mix? You know, they they're the sort of they're the sort of names you can throw up. Like um, Godolphin have their jockeys and um, and with the Blue Diamond meeting being on in Melbourne, it sort of counts out someone like Ollie coming up and riding or Jamie Carr. So we're looking at, you know, you've got to look at who's available and that means overseas is the, probably the biggest option. All right. Um, that'd be very interesting to see how it uh, how it does unfold. Uh, look, whilst getting those overseas jockeys, and I know they're on retainers with Godolphin, is fantastic and obviously um, whatnot. Gee, I think we have a lot of good boys and girls here so i think um you know i'm sure that people in uh with with different understanding of racing than me will uh, will make those decisions but gee it'd be great to see an aussie get 
the opportunity to, to jump on and maybe someone that is already here at the moment. That's just my opinion anyway. Moanga's ride's also up for grabs there as well in the um, yes. shipping order. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and he, it. for mine, and tell me if you agree here, Chris, for mine with Moanga, so in secret... Um, Feeding Oregon, you and I could jump on her and probably win. She is just looks. She's just a superstar. But I don't Mawanga, think James would let me anywhere no. near her, or I'd break it back. <laughs> or me, for that fact. <laughs> but I think one thing with Moanga and why he was, I guess, uh, reacting so well to Nash is because I think he needs he needs that vigorous ride. He needs that strong rider, Moanga. Yeah, he needs someone who'll stand over him and uh, and really get the best out of him. I think we've seen that in his Group One wins, and he. He seems to be a horse that needs that little bit of help. So um, we'll, um, we'll, 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 we'll watch this space. I'm sure Annabelle's been on the phones as well. Very much so. Now, what about Nature Strip? Um, he's back. He's obviously a short price favourite. Uh, be great to then hopefully see him back for a TJ if everything goes to plan for a lightning. And uh, he's just ticking over beautifully, isn't he? Yeah, he looks like he. It looks like he's got the perfect. Uh, he's got the perfect. Um, the perfect um, place here, and he's going to be um, he's going to be um, back back and running the races that we know he runs in. He runs in the, he runs in a lightning, then he runs in a in a in a um, challenge stakes, and then in a TJ. That's his that's his autumn program, and it's great to see him back. Hopefully, he's had had a nice nice break. I think you'll if you notice with his um, with his preparation this time, he's come back and trialled a little bit later. I think Chris gave him an extra week or so off just to get over that trip from England. Um, but fair dinkum in this race, if, if he's um, if he, he's ready to rock and roll, he should be winning on Saturday. I think $1.90 is getting towards an, an, a um, place where you could back him. I think Butchos Nitros is the horse to, that could um, challenge him. He, he was very good. Matthew Smith's team's flying. Um, mm. He's a little bit under the radar in this race. I think... They're all talking about the Melbourne horses, but we know when Sydney horses go down there, they seem to have they seem to have a very good record of um, upsetting the apple cart, and you usually get a good price about them. They do, and there's a sense of timing with Bonner's Notches, so very excited to see how Matt uh, prepares him throughout the course of the preparation, and, and I guess where where he ends up. I mean, does he does he go on a similar path as Nature Strip? Will we see him in challenges and whatnot, or or is he going to be maybe in a galaxy? I would, I would think he'd be more a new market horse. Like I think, um, the, the, he wouldn't be getting too much weight in that. He had, he hasn't got that high level um, win yet, so he might be down around fifty kilos, which would be perfect for a horse like him, him, and give him a really good chance of knocking off one of the big sprint races in the, in the country. Chatting with Chris Roots this morning. Uh, what about F Cabin in the Hobartville? My God, how exciting is this? I haven't seen this horse in person yet. I'm. I'm really looking forward to seeing him on Saturday. The, 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 the reports and the way James talks about him, he said he just, uh, he just got a beautiful action, and um, I just can't wait to see him. And and all the reports are he's just getting better and better. Yeah, he's uh, he's got a bit of machine about him. That's for sure. That's uh, he's an exciting, exciting horse. And Kementari. Yeah, and he's going on the Kementari preparation. So. If you go back and look at what Kementari did, you know, Kementari wasn't a Group One winner during when it come come the autumn, and he went and won a won a um, Lambert Guineas, and that's 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 the day they want him. They want him at his best on Lambert Guineas day, but I think you might see him in race. You could see him in a race like a Rider or and a Doncaster. So 
very exciting to see this bloke and it'll be exciting to see what he can actually do. A little bit of news on um, Golden Mile. Golden Mile's, um, yeah, so Golden Mile probably next week or the Canterbury Stakes now and might be kept, talking to James, there's now $1.5 million on an all-age stake, which, you know, you get, he might be a perfect horse for that sort of race. So they, he's already got his Group 1, a Group 1 wait-for-age race a race would just make the um, Stallions page look that little bit better and, you know, he might keep him a little bit more fresh and go down that path. Uh, the Supreme Court stuff that's coming through, obviously Race New South Wales taking those other states set to court. What's the information that you're hearing on the grapevine? So this has been ongoing for a long time. Now, this happened started before Christmas. And um, the the actual paperwork was filed on the 23rd of December at five o'clock. So um, the last possible day before the Christmas break, they they the Racing New South Wales filed this um the these claims claims and they had to be answered yesterday in the Supreme Court. Now um, I, I'm getting a bit sick of talking about um, Racing New South Wales and Racing Victoria. Both you cannot have a feud without two willing parties. And we continually hear, oh, it's all Peter's fault, it's all Peter's fault. Now, I'm no apologist for Peter Valandis, but as I said, you've got to have, there's two sides to this. And there's people who have been on the Racing Australia board that have been there for a number of years who, who, who are still there and they need to take some responsibility for what's going on as well because you cannot have a feud like this without both sides being willing participants. Now, I know... Um, when Andrew Jones come on board, I thought that'd be a, a nice circuit breaker, get someone new in there. But um, it's just it's just one of those things that continues to go on, and not, neither side is right, right, totally right in this, and neither side is totally wrong in this. We just need to be talking about racing as racing, not racing New South Wales and racing Victoria. Now, racing Victoria have gone down the path of trying to um, get the other states on side, obviously. Um, further isolating Racing New South Wales. Racing New South Wales will see their their charter as delivering the best racing for New South Wales, not the best racing for Australia. So I think as putters, we want to see the best horses racing against the best horses, the best jockeys riding against the best jockeys as much as we can. Now, that might be three or four times a year because they're, they're the days where we can highlight our sport and say, this is our this is this is our grand final day. This is our state of origin. Competition is good, but you need to have those premier events. Melbourne Cup Day, everyone's focused on racing, and they want to see all our best jockeys there and all our best trainers there. Um, Golden Slipper Day, similarly, we want to see all all those blokes from Melbourne come up and try and knock off our Sydney blokes, or, or and vice versa. You know, this is this has gone gone on for too long, and we just continue the amount of times. I think I've been writing about this for 10 years now and it's just, it's actually got worse rather than better. No one no one wants to sit down and just get, say, right, you know, we're going to have our Everest, we're going to have our Golden Eagle, um, you can have your All-Star Mile, but no one wants to sort of sit down and, and give a little bit. Why? And that's from, well, I think it's picket and it's on both sides a little bit. Um, as I said... The charter of racing New South Wales is to deliver the best racing for New South Wales and get the most turnover. Now, what you've got to remember, with all these PRAs, they've they're all got their own state legislation, so their funding comes directly from betting on the races 
mainly in, within their own state. So if you can if you can drive wagering, um, that gives you more money to put on to more races. So in the end, the punters pay for this. Now at some point, they've got to start thinking. Well, what will the punters want? I think at the Asian Racing Conference, they said the the average age of punter is about 55, and you know the majority of our of of the customer who who bet on racing is older. We're not getting a new generation. The new generation is just going to turn off if they if they're reading all about uh, bickering, political bickering. And the other thing is, the new generation care about horse welfare. They care about um, different things to what 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 we were brought up on. So things like welfare issues, where racing New South Wales wouldn't sit at the table and say, let's get a national approach to this. Oh, we'll go and buy farms and we're doing it the best way. No one's got the absolute perfect way of doing this. We need to get all the best minds at the table and say, right, what can, how can we do this and what happens if this happens and what happens if that happens? Because the biggest challenges to racing at the moment are welfare and problem gambling. As we've seen with the poker machine, you don't think the next next thing's going to be be someone who's having a bet on a Saturday, or you know, as we've seen in England, um, corporate makers having to do assets tests on people to make sure that they they don't lose their houses and things like that. We that's that's where that's where the focus needs to be, and we need a national body that can go and talk to government at the highest levels. And at the moment, we don't have that because racing racing Australia is basically a lame duck and a laughing stock. So. I think we need to start again. I think we just need to have have a have a um, a new a new um, branch of, of that looks after racing Australia can look after all the commercial things like the stud book and things like that. But we need someone who can, someone who can go and talk to government. You know, we need to have the breeders involved. We need to have the jockeys involved. We need to have the trainers involved. We need to have the owners involved. We need to have a punters representative there, and we need the PRAs to be there. But they they're not controlling it. It's just, it's just got to a point where if you're going to do the How right thing. How did it all thing, start, though? This, you said you've been writing about this for 10 years. What, what was yep. sort of the, the spark for all this? Because it seems like um, that, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. When did it all start and what started? So, so generally speaking, racing, racing New South Wales and Racing Victoria, uh, racing the two states had, had their time. So if you looked, we used to finish our carnival with... Um, uh, the long weekend in, in spring and then with everyone would go to Melbourne everyone would be happy happy with that and you know there was flow on effects and what actually happened was when the tote started to decrease um, because you the major way of funding racing was from the tote so um, anyone who was betting on Melbourne on the tote and that, there wasn't really corporate bookmakers that all money was all still flying back to New South Wales so you know, you were getting your seven percent. You know, all the money bet on the Melbourne Cup would go back to New South Wales Racing. So everyone, everyone had a had a um, had got something out of Melbourne Cup Day. When race fields come in, uh, the money from racing flew flowed straight back from Melbourne Cup Day as corporate bookmakers grew. It ended up flowing straight back to Victoria, and New South Wales lost its share of that. So if you look at that, that's how that's sort of the genesis of it. It was all about money. But then Racing Victoria went down this path. Path with um, there were um, KPIs about getting more Group One races and things like that in people's contracts. They got they they went on and started putting up making menzies and all the stakes. Now, 
I'll use this example. What was the better race on the weekend in terms of quality? Was it the All Stakes or was it the Apollo? The Apollo. Apollo's a Group Two. The All Stakes is a Group One. Now, I'm, you know, we're just looking at we're looking at this thing. They're probably both Group Two races, and we've got too many of those races that have been put up just because or they they people wanted to have Group One races. So, you know, the Winx ended up going up because the men's he was, and it sort of becomes a bit of push and push and shove. Then Peter come in, come in and and it was identified that you know we used to make a stack of money in spring racing New South Wales. Now we don't make near as much because we don't get the money from the tab. Uh, so we need to have uh, a presence in spring. That was the spoon that sort of began the Everest. And then we he came up with an absolutely brilliant idea, which I, I think no one in racing could have imagined how good the Everest was going to be. But it's become, it's become one of the quickly become in a in a short time become on on equal par, par with any race other than the Melbourne Cup in the, in the country. Um, for notoriety, people, they've done a great job of marketing it and selling it, and people know the horses that are going there and love and love the intrigue of it across the year. So that was the start of it, and then was just um, they realised that they've just got to push further back in the spring where there's no football, no cricket. They've got a probably a six-week window, and and to get the money back from what they were getting when when you used to have just the tab. This was the best way, putting on a stack of races. And these races are all self-funding and, and, and self-fulfilling. So now they, that prize money will stay there and it, it delivers um, probably what racing in New South Wales had lost in that time. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it, it's not just as simple as, oh, Peter Valandis did that and Peter Valandis did this. It's, it goes back to a funding issue that that is at the core of it that had to had had changed because the tote was drifting away so so significantly and at the moment it's falling away at a drastic rate like um if there's ever an argument for a national tote we need to we need to get tote betting back up because that's the biggest way racing's funded like they they pay a bigger premium than any corporate bookmaker so you know you need a strong tote to have a strong strong um strong strong industry and what's happened is so now with the tote um, because of race fields they've still got to pay race fields so they pay to Victoria. money better in new south wales on the tote goes back to victoria or queensland or south australia so that's the that's it's it's all about it's all about a, a fiscal making making racing work and we've got more money in racing than we ever had before we all know that but it's um it's been because they have to change have to look at them and have a have a think about how do, how do we fund the sport? Very interesting. Chris, thanks for your time, mate. Uh, and uh, look, looking forward to having you on the punters panel tomorrow. No problems. Hopefully we can find a couple of winners there, Dave.